Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz, Facebook Live Thursday edition. Rodney Hood, are we asking too much? Jazz contract structure by Dennis Lindsay is simply brilliant. Beating bad teams, is that enough to win? The front office structure and the world of free agency for the NBA. Lots of different things to discuss and taking your questions on a Facebook Live edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are moving our Facebook Lives over to the Locked On Podcast Network page because we believe, and I, I'm kind of putting the cart way ahead of the horse here, but the Locked On Podcast Network, I think a lot of you will think this is really cool, are going to try to build Thursday live shows so that we just come one after another at this location with live Thursday edition shows for you with all of our NBA shows, all of our NFL shows. It's a great time now with NFL training camp starting, and we're rebuilding much of the Lockdown Podcast Network there, uh, as well as uh, getting your NBA experts. So you'll be able to catch not only this show, but every show kind of catch up what's going on on Thursdays on the Locked On Podcast Network page. So please like that page uh, and then uh, be a part of it. So thank you very much. Today's show is brought to you by Shamrock Auto Group. They often sponsor our Thursday live edition, and we certainly appreciate them uh, doing that today on the program. Good to have them uh, aboard. As well as SeatGeek with the promo code LONBA, you get $20 back on your first purchase. Please submit your questions. Uh, I'll get to those in a little bit. Thank you very much uh, for uh, tuning in. Oh, I can now put a mask to give myself a fun look if I tap because Facebook is trying to imitate everything Snapchat does. So I can I can actually do this now. I tap the wand, and then I can make myself look silly, I guess. Oh, I'm now orange. Let's Let's go back to no filter. Let's go back to no filter. That wasn't such a good idea. I didn't like being orange. All right, anyway, let's get to it. Uh, top thing on the show today is it's really FanRag Sports is doing a top 100 players in the NBA right now. I, I love these lists. Um, I don't, honestly, I don't like the individual lists. What I like is at the end of the year when everybody has suddenly done one, and so you're able to... Uh, combine all of them in one spot and uh, put them there and then get a kind of a um, uh, a collection, uh, a wisdom of crowds. But I thought this was interesting. FanRag Sports just listed, they did Derek Favors was like 88th, and 86th was Rodney Hood, and 85th is Seth Curry. Not Steph Curry, but Seth Curry. And it just jumped out to me, like, are we asking way too much out of Rodney Hood? I mean, 
Dennis Lindsay is out there saying that we think Rodney Hood can be an 18-point-a-game scorer. We're going to turn the offense over to him. He doesn't have – we don't have a lot of other choices there. But then all of a sudden, when I suddenly see this guy put together this list, and he and he's doing it really interesting. It's, it's, um, it's Kelly Scalata who's doing it, and he's got the ceiling for each player on the floor. His ceiling is 73. Of our voters, he says – only one of our voters did not rank Hood at all, and the highest he was ranked was 68th. So is it, and for him to climb the 70s is feasible, he says he puts his ceiling at 73. And he points out two things we I've talked about a lot. His true shooting percentage is just 53.3, which is right about league average, and he doesn't go to the free throw line at all. So he's going to have to go to the free throw line a great deal more uh, if we're going to be, if the Jazz are going to be successful with him as the primary scorer. But it did give me a little bit of, caution here are we asking way like is that possible I mean I think that's a little low but maybe not actually you know are we what are we asking out of Rodney Hood to be this year as our primary scorer without Gordon with and and, and how much we we kind of did this to Gordon three four years ago where we didn't think he was good enough and we were on him a little bit. I'm a little worried we're about to do the same thing to Rodney Hood, and it may be some of our optimism, which is a which is great and largely predicated on the defense and the depth, which are tr- two accurate things. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna get to that in a second. Is are are correct for us to have that optimism, but this probably should open up a little bit of caution that, whoa, like our best offense, our, our second best player, I think, in this ranking is going to be 86. Now, you know, I think Rudy should be top 10, top 15, uh, particularly when you start putting together his defense. I think he's probably top 10. But our second best player in this top 100 ranking, and there'll be others all summer long, is 86th. Favors was 88th. That's... That's a pretty big drop, right? Um, and and worth just you know I don't want to uh, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but it's just let's let's keep an eye on it um, and make sure we're not asking way too much out of a guy who and putting pressure and getting frustrated with a guy who probably deserves a little bit more of a of a soft landing, shall we say, into this role. I mean, it's somewhat similar to what we did to Gordon, I think, in his fourth year, where in that team, and Gordon struggled with it. It took Gordon two or three years to be able to be good enough to handle that aspect of things. So that's the kind of first storyline uh, today. As I mentioned, today's show is brought to you by the Shamrock Auto Group. Uh, I've gotten to know uh, Rob Thomas. Oh, just kidding, Rob Taylor. It's a long joke if you're new to the show. And, and Rob has, has really explained to me what they're about, what they want to be. Um, and, and the biggest thing is he got into this business because he had bad experiences in buying cars. And so he figured out that they could run a car dealership, which gets amazing Google reviews, 
uh, great reviews at cars.com and give people a super experience. The coolest thing for him is he now has 35% of his business from out of state. People who use the business when they're in Utah to get a car. Now they save so much money, they fly in and drive the vehicle home. In 10 years, he likes to believe he's never had a disappointed customer. And that is what Shamrock Auto Group is all about. Visit their website, shamrockautogroup.com. They're just off exit 275 in Pleasant Grove, and the number's 801-361-9796. So they do cars and trucks, uh, you know, low-mileage cars and trucks. Uh, Brady Kimball's their general manager. Brady has uh, is a former mechanic. And so he is the one going and getting those cars and knows exactly the circumstances and situations those cars are in. So he knows that, you know, he was a technician for 25 years and he's the buyer. So he knows he's getting you a good product. They're a lean company. They have fewer employees than everyone else. And they just make sure you have an easy, simple system, but they can take care of it. Test drives on yourself. Financing is there. No gimmicks along the way. You know what? Their Google reviews say it all, frankly. 80 years of combined automotive experience in this group of people, and they're going to make sure you have a super experience. So check it out. Shamrock Auto Group, if you're in the market to buy a car, low mileage car or truck, they're going to do it for you. And if you have something specific you want, tell Robert Brady what you want. 801-361-9796. That's 801-361-9796. Tell them Locked On Jazz sent you. You get, auto, you get oil changes for life for free. That's oil changes for life for free. Uh, subtle things that great organizations do. Subtle things that great organizations do. One of them came public yesterday. The Joe Ingles contract is descending. So the Jazz are paying Joe the most amount of money this year. The hope, obviously, was to be signing Gordon with his going up. Rudy's is already going up. And so now with someone like Joe, who's not maxing out, anytime you can get a non-max contract to descend, then when you pay the max contracts, you're in, you're in pretty good shape. The, the big story, we'll talk about this more in tomorrow's show with Exum and Hood and Favors and free agency and what's going on with the market. And uh, I'll save a lot of that for tomorrow's show so I can get your questions today. Uh, but the big thing that's going on in the market is all these guys are getting 5 and 8% raises. The salary cap's going up 3%. That's it. The salary cap's going up about 3%, and everybody else is going up. But, so if you can get to sending contracts, that's a really big deal of flexibility for the Jets. There also is going to be very little market money in the market coming up. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, and turn the page toward that probably tomorrow on the show. So that was number one that we saw with, with Joe Ingles. is a, a really super deal there by Dennis Lindsay, and it shows you a lot of what um, I think it, it – it shows you a lot of kind of the, the level of detail and understanding he's doing with his crew, and they have just a great front office. Number two is my understanding on Udo, Jarebko, and Cephalosha. They are all team options for next year. So the Jazz, depending on how they play, how these players develop, how all of this takes place, can either let these guys go to free agency or pick up their options for next year, and they're all team options. Different dates on all of them. Uh, and so, therefore, the the dates change. They're not all like the late Boris Diaw situation. Some of them are July 1, so they'll have to decide before free agency. But, frankly, in this day and age, you know a lot of that as a team. This is just the level of correct detail that Dennis Lindsay's going to to be able to uh, – to show, you know, that shows you kind of where he is, what he's willing to do, uh, and how he runs his, his franchise correctly. These are the little things. This is the experience um, that you have to have. Uh, uh, 
One thing, so anyway, that's, we'll get to your questions in a second, uh, so keep submitting them. I wanted to bring up one just quick thought. We'll dig more into this uh, as the show continues, as we go on. The Jazz last year did, did something that I, I thought we probably should bring up, and that is the Jazz last year had a record of 15-22 and 22 against plus 500 teams. So, and, and, and it's, you know, the league is loaded uh, so there's 30. That's 37 of the games. But what they really did last year that was so awesome is their record was 36 and nine against below 500 teams. If you're if you have a good enough roster to beat below 500 teams, you can make the playoffs. Like that's one that I haven't heard talked a lot about in regards to the Jazz upcoming season is. With the defense as good as hopefully it is, and hopefully the offense is egalitarian as it can be and not too much pressure on Rodney, can the Jazz should be able to beat most of the below 500 teams. And if you do that, you can probably make the playoffs. The Jazz were 15-22 and 22 last year against above 500 teams. That's probably a realistic number for the Jazz in this upcoming season. Maybe, you know, with our injuries, you know, you're going to play the Warriors three or four times and struggle, and you're going to play the Spurs three or four times and hope to get one. You're going to play the Rockets three or four times and hope to get one. And then you're going to play the Clippers four times and hopefully split. And the Thunder four times and maybe a split. Maybe you go, you, you hopefully get three out of four from the Grizzlies. You get two and two with Portland or three out of four if they're above 500. Denver, you probably try to split. And all of a sudden, those above 500 teams, you got some wins in there. Um, Boston, you hope to beat every damn time you play them. All right, uh, so I think that's an aspect of things that probably we could just kind of keep an eye on a little bit more when you try to evaluate what the Jazz upcoming season uh, is going to be. All right, let me get to some of the questions. Uh, appreciate people participating, joining the show at our new location. I do think the Thursday Locked On Podcast Network stuff could be really, really cool, so I appreciate you guys uh, supporting the switch over here. Have you listened to the Gordon Woj podcast yet, and do you plan to give your thoughts on what he said? I have not. Um, I probably will at some point today. I've been working on the network stuff a lot, have podcasts running, been listening to network podcasts instead. Kind of feel like it's old news. Um, I, 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 I have two thoughts that I'll share on this. One, and I think this became, it came out of the podcast from the comments I read. I read Ben Anderson's piece and um, some others. One is that I, I do think that there was a teeter-totter going on here for Gordon for his decision and what we all did is put all the different things that we saw and all the different pieces and put them on the teeter-totter and I actually just think he had one item on the teeter-totter I think his legacy his chance to win his recognition his publicity was the item on the teeter-totter and and that swung it uh and I think when the schedule comes out in the middle of August and he has you know 14 national tv games compared to two it's not a crazy decision I think that's an important note and I haven't figured out how to phrase this correctly yet Gordon's decision to go to Boston is not crazy. It's not, I mean, I think I would have liked him to stay. Um, It doesn't help us as a franchise that he left. I don't think it's like, it's not a slap in the face to the Jazz. Um, It shouldn't be something where people look at the Jazz and say, oh, this is a big step back for for Utah's place in the NBA world. It's a step back because they had their best player 
or one of their two best players leave. Probably best player. Okay, whatever. Who cares? I'm not. I just don't want to sound like I'm degrading him after he left. Um, I think it, it like it's a reasonable decision. It's a reasonable concept. Um, and because it's a reasonable concept, I think as the league and fans, we have to look at it a little bit that way too. Like, oh, it actually makes some sense. Like going to Boston, playing in an easier conference, going to be an all-star for probably all five years he's there, what, seven, eight, nine years he's there. Uh, a, a huge amount of national recognition. He'll be a huge story next year. He might have just wanted to change. I've always thought the incumbent had a tough time in these circumstances. And so uh, when you when you look at those items, I don't know if this is coming across clearly, it's not like he did something insane or, oh my gosh, Utah must suck or anything like that. It's a reasonable decision. I, I mean, if I'm sitting down with Gordon, I would say I'm bummed, but I'd get it. Like, I'd say I get it. Like, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's some aspects that I think he's, I think he's missing a little bit on how much he owned, had this locker room being his way compared to what he's about to enter. And maybe he thinks Brad will just straighten that out or maybe he doesn't care. I mean, it's not. Like, he's not this overly gregarious social guy, but um, I think he missed that a little bit. Um, I think he missed a little bit on just, I go to that Washington game when he had the play, and it was his, and he hit the shot, and it's his his time. And maybe Isaiah Thomas will be gone in a year anyway. Um, so I think he missed a little bit on, on those two items and how valuable that is to him. But I don't, but maybe not. Maybe he thought about all those things and then, Still, the other stuff on the teeter-totter, that one item of his personal legacy, his spot, his this, was more important to him because he is going to be a higher, let's just be honest about this, by being in Boston and being in the East where they don't have any stars right now than John Wall and LeBron James, he's going to be much higher profile. The league has to sell him as a bigger star than he actually is to make the Eastern Conference interesting. And he's going to get that, and he's going to get sold like that. And this, And so... It's, and he's going to be the story. He's the biggest free agent that moved teams. Like, it's a story. Every time he and, he and Paul George and Chris Paul are going to be the big stories early in the season. How are they assimilating? He, he gets all of those things. Um, and so I, I just don't think it was an insane, crazy, ridiculous decision. And I don't think it was a slight at Utah either if that – if I made that at all clear. Uh, today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek, the number one place for you to go get tickets to any of your upcoming events. And here's the cool one, new promo code, L-O-N-B-A. Use that promo code. Once you've downloaded SeatGeek, put it in the settings tab. You get $20 back on your first purchase. Why SeatGeek? Why? Because it's making the ticket-buying purchase to concerts, to games, to events, much, much easier than it used to be. I used to have a guy down downtown and go into a hotel and go into his little office, and I had to just trust that he gave me the best price and had the best tickets. And I don't know if I ever did, but now I've got SeatGeek that's compiling all of the tickets that are in the marketplace in one place for me. I can compare those with the SeatGeek ticket score mechanism that allows me to be able to look at it and say, oh, okay, this is the got a better ticket score. Particularly if you're traveling and you're going to a venue you've never been to before, it's really terrific. If you want to go see a U2 or something uh, <clears throat> and they don't, and you've never been there and you're traveling to the location, then you suddenly have the ability to look at the ticket score and know that that's your best offer that you could possibly get. So I would say uh, go right now. You'll find out that this is the way to buy tickets forever. You get it? 
the ticket, the SeatGeek app, download it, go to the settings tab, enter in L-O-N-B-A. Then when you have your first event you want to go to, you can set up a price alert. I've done that for a few events recently. And then when it's done, it's secured and it's set and it's on your phone and it's guaranteed. That is the SeatGeek app, promo code L-O-N-B-A. Let's get to more of your questions. Uh, do you have an insider knowledge on what the new Nike jerseys will look like? I do not. Those are the kind of things that actually would get me fired if I did. Pace of play. Stats say yes, but playing the game for a lot of years, players prefer a faster pace of play. Stats can't measure desire to play, which it comes with a faster pace of play. I, I think that's true, but I also don't think most players want to run. I think they all say they want to, but playing at a faster pace of play is really, really hard. And so, you know, one reason many people thought the Jazz didn't play pace of play is, frankly, Gordon's conserving some energy, right? Like, is he, is he really going to – James Harden isn't – Dan, Tony, and Houston aren't playing fast because James Harden's conserving some energy. The, the burden that you're asking them – Gordon had, like, the highest workload of any player in the NBA last year. That wasn't a slight. That was – like, James Harden was number two. Those are the highest workload players. They're not going to run. So I, I, I got the faster pace of play. I got the easier shots. I, I do think that there's something – Two, that that's overblown a little bit. What is the top 100 ranking? FanRag Sports, Kelly Scalata has done it. It's, his is unique, but I think that's great. I like people that are unique. You know, groupthink bores the heck out of me. Um, you're forgetting Rubio. He's probably our second best player than Hood and Faves. Maybe. I wasn't forgetting Rubio. Um, I'll be curious to see if Rubio's ranked in the top 100. That shooting percentage has a lot of people down on him. Uh, maybe. Yeah, you're probably right. He'll probably be ranked in the top 100. When I was doing it, I did not think he was going to be ranked in the top 100, but you're probably right. Off the top of your head, what do you think the rotation will look like with the new additions? Will Faves still play backup five minutes, or will he be exclusively play at the four? Um, I think to start, I think we'll watch Derek's minutes a little bit, try to keep him healthy. Um, I think you'll probably start Rubio, Hood, Ingles, Favors, Gobert. Your first substitution is probably some version of Joe Johnson. It's great flexibility here. Uh, I think you'll have Jarebko playing some five at times, the way Boris Diaw did last year and spread the floor. He's a very good above-the-break three-point shooter. Cephalosha will split time with Ingles, maybe even 24 minutes a night each. I just think that's, as much as I like Joe, playing him 30 minutes a night, I'm not sure is a way to maintain him for 82 games. Uh, I think Donovan Mitchell could force himself into 30 minutes a night. And I think that'll get interesting to see where those come from. Uh, I think he could be that good. And then you have Dante and Mitchell, I think, maybe playing with that spread floor, playing a faster pace in that period of time. With go, That Jarebko plays some of that five favors, can play it too. But you might just spread it out during that period and let Mitchell and Exum just drive lanes. And if AB's back, let him do that as well. Uh, there's a lot of options in this. Uh, Udo hasn't even been mentioned yet, who could play backup five. Favors doesn't like to play, Favors doesn't like to play center, and so maybe he just doesn't. Maybe you just let him play power forward. And he plays twenty four minutes a night as your power forward, and you keep him healthy, and he plays you know those minutes. Um, but he's going to have to play center if he wants to have a free agency market. Um, thank you, Jeff. That was very nice of you. Uh, I love this. It tells me I should thank David Locke for sharing this video. Um, okay, thank you, me. Uh, I'm you know self promotion. Uh, what do you think of the great 
this importance of reacquiring Zanuck. I actually have that for tomorrow's show. The addition of Zanuck and Morway, I think, is really uh, good. I was going to talk about that on tomorrow's show. Quite honestly, there's not a lot of news right now. I've got to space shows together. I'm doing a show tomorrow also. You've got to make sure I have enough for each day. Uh, so if you don't mind, I'm going to talk about that. But just big picture, it's great down back. I, I, Justin's a good friend of mine, frankly. Um, we talked a lot during the season uh, just to try to stay in touch. Um, and, you know, I, I've known David Morway for 25 years now. Uh, and he is a fabulous guy and really bright, great experience, been in both good and bad front offices and brings a and, – and really was getting out of the business until Dennis Lindsay called, and then the Jazz are such a model organization that he wanted to be a part of it. To take advantage of our depth, you see Quinn using a 10- or 11-man rotation, especially if Mitchell and Burke start to demand minutes. I, I, if Burks comes back, I mean, we suddenly are – yeah, we actually have now 12 guys, right? And Neto can play. We're not even counting him. Uh, but, right, you have – the guards, you have four right now that can play. Um, someone just sent me a smile. I was going through a really crappy time, and the fact that she just took a time to send that to me, you're the best. Um, I hope you saw that smile. Uh, so we have Exum, Mitchell with Hood, and Rubio is our four, and then AB is the fifth guy there. I mean, if AB suddenly is able to play, that's really deep. And your threes are are Ingles and Cephalosa. That's not very deep, but you probably can slide someone down if we need to. But that's not that's a little thin right there. Maybe A B can play some of that. If somebody gets hurt in there, we get a little thin. Joe Johnson can slide in there if we need it, so we get a little less thin. I mean, this is the versatility of this roster that's really kind of cool. You have favors and go but your centers are Gobert, Favors, Udo, uh Tony Bradley's good. Bradley can play. I don't know if he's gonna play this year, but he can play. Your power forwards our favors, Jarebko, Joe Johnson, it's pretty good. Am I missing anyone there? So I think it's um, – and I think there's still – I still think there's some stuff going on. I, I think Bowling Boy's going to have to play to make the team. I mean, I think – and I don't mean that as a shot on Joel. I just think this franchise is willing to eat $800,000 if they have a better player. So, I mean, I think there's going to be some training camp battles. Uh, Tim McMahon has an article called Nuclear Winner with Free Agents because of last year's spending might hurt 18 and Favors and Hood are listed. Thoughts on what they could get. And Exum. Favors, Hood, and Exum are all free agents in the market. I was going to do that tomorrow. And I apologize. You guys are like, you guys could program this show. Uh, and I hate to keep saying tomorrow, but if I do it today, I don't have anything tomorrow. There's nothing new that's going to happen between today and tomorrow. So I hope you respect that. I hate that I'm doing that to you on your questions. Um, but, Rick, I, I apologize. Udo will surprise a lot of people. He can play backup minutes for Rudy. He can stay on the floor with Rudy's a four. He's not a stretch, uh, but he's a blocking machine. I, I think that may be true. I don't know a lot, honestly. I'm kind of just being the hometown optimist. I know who he was out of college. I didn't love him out of college. I'm not surprised that he struggled. But I think the game has evolved in a way that actually helps him. You know, in that age, he was going to struggle because he didn't have a post game. He didn't have an offensive game. We don't actually want that out of that guy anymore. Now we want a guy who just rim rolls, and I think you're right. I think he will be good. He, the question is going to be how he moves on pick and rolls defensively and whether he can str- switch one through five, and that'll be the real uh, item to tell as the year goes on. But again, great depth. And to the point I had earlier, you have this much depth, you beat bad teams with this depth. When you can always put out 240 minutes and even guys get hurt, you put out 240 minutes, then you end up winning these games against not very good teams like the Jazz were last year when they were 36-9, and and that gets you into the postseason. We make the playoffs, Quinn deserves coach of the year. 
But I, I hate that. I hate I mean, Quinn is our coach of the year last year. Just we make the playoffs. It's a great step. Um, why is it so hard for people to comprehend the impact of a dunker like Rudy? People say he isn't good offensively. He's a top 10 offensive player. Why can't people understand that? I don't know, but I've been fighting this battle for like three years. DeAndre Jordan is too. I mean, I think the Clippers are going to be interesting. Because DeAndre Jordan is still so good offensively that from a pack standpoint, he'll he'll be good. Uh, I'm working on a ton of Lockdown Podcast Network projects, but I will be trying to put together a projected pack here uh, pretty soon. Where are uh, were you a part of my summer league? Have any summer league practice inside the skill level Donovan Mitchell displayed? He was dramatically better than everybody else on the floor in every practice. His skill level is incredible. There's a lot of optimism about Donovan. I mean, I can't say anything more than saying I think he's going to play 30 minutes a night. Like, that's a huge statement. Like, I, I don't – like, last year's draft class sucked. Um, so I'm not sure that it's a good reference. But I'm not sure that anybody played 30 minutes a night in the draft class last year. So thir- it might be – and that might be a stupid comment. But I mean, the more I say it, I kind of – I think it might be absurd. Um, in this, Because I don't think – Maybe nobody plays. Brandon Ingram played 29 minutes tonight. Malcolm Brogdon played 26. Buddy Heal played 23. Isaiah Whitehead played 23 on a team not trying to win. Chris Levert tri- played 22 on a team not trying to win. Jamal Murray played 22. Marquise Chris played 21. And Sabonis played 20. Those are the only guys over 20 minutes. Maybe I should change it and say, I, I think Mitchell's going to play over, want to play over, is going to play over 25 minutes tonight. You know, if you go look at the 2015 draft class, which was a pretty damn good, class, darn good class, uh, you have Carl Anthony Towns, De- Devin Booker, and Chris Epps, Persingas is the only guys averaging over 30 minutes. All right, 30 minutes for Mitchell might be too high. Let's go with 25. I might have been overzealous. Um, what? Where do you get your advanced stats? I have a theory I want to research myself. Um, well, one, I have an NBA access to every piece of data they have, and I can build my own spreadsheets. So I create a lot of my own, like pack and things like that, that are done off a spreadsheet. Um, and then a lot of them are other just websites that are out there that I think you have access to. So I don't really – Basketball Reference has great – basic stuff and nba.com is really super they've done amazing work on that i don't go to many places other than those there's a few others nba minor has some interesting things there's a re- nba stuffer.com has ref stats i use nba wowie has some on off stuff but frankly the nba has done that pretty well um nba savant.com used to have some cool stuff i'm looking at my list right here um Vorped used to have cool stuff. I haven't been there in a long time. Um, TeamRankings.com has some cool stuff. There, that's about the best I can give you. How long do you think it'll take for an Eastern Conference to Western Conference to become more balanced? Is there? It hasn't happened in like 20 years. Uh, but I will tell you, I was at the NBA meetings, and I tried to push on the idea of breaking it up, and they just didn't. They, they, they don't believe. Their analytics show it's one team a year. That's getting knocked out of the playoffs, and I think they see it as immaterial. And I think they see the one team a year that's getting knocked out, if you went to the top 16 teams, uh, being not worth it compared to the amount of travel that you have to have otherwise. The amount of travel um, they see as a bigger issue in time. Wow, when we're doing the lockdown, I'd have to end the show right now. I'm at 30 minutes because in the Lockdown Podcast Network, when we start trying to get you Thursday live days, we only have 30-minute windows for each show. We're just rolling here today. 
Um, thank you very much to Shauna and Jason Anderson, who shared the video. Appreciate it. Uh, more from Cody. Is the same Van Hayward being overhyped to make it to East look better? Do you think players like IT get more recognition than they deserve? Yes, I do. I think some of the Eastern Conference players. Uh, but IT was pretty good last year. Um uh, um, Robert May is being very nice. Uh, Ken, are we overhyping Hayward's ability as a basketball player considering the attention and patience he was given in the development? No, he's really good. He worked his ass off. He did it. He deserves the credit. Our organization allowed it to happen, but he deserves the credit. Um, Colby points out, oh, Gordon forever is tarnished by the bull crap that they did to make sure that they got their Players' Tribune article out. I mean, that was just I mean, my sources told me at 12 o'clock that that deal decision was done, too. Like, I turned off my phone and went and played golf. Um, cause that, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I will forever – I got people – I got great sources. They, they can forever tell me his, deci- his decision wasn't made and that, uh, that it just was coincidentally released in players. I, I, I will never believe that, and I have been told from people I don't have this for a fact, but I, I'm curious to know whether he gets paid by Players' Tribune so that they actually have a – uh, exclusive. No, he he jacked that up so badly that it will forever tarnish him. And that's too, that for a guy I've known a long time and like. That's too bad. I feel really bad for him. But he is he is tarnished, um, and it has a great agent. I mean, it's a it's a surprise that that group screwed that up so badly. But there's no question that 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 failure of to execute it correctly was unconscionable and will forever tarnish him. It, we probably should get over it, like let him have his mistake. But he blew it. It's probably, other than LeBron and maybe DeAndre Jordan, the worst handled free agency ever. That's bad. Uh, I get his decision, but if the players are not loyal to teams not wanting to win, where are where you are is being replaced by finding the easiest road is a little hard to support. Yeah, I mean, honestly, teams aren't that loyal to players either, right? Like, I mean... I mean, I don't think we would have, but if New York had offered the third pick for Chris Stapps-Prazingis, maybe we would have traded Gordon. Right? Maybe. I mean, I think actually that's what New York wanted and we said no, but... Um, but, I mean, teams... Uh, the loyalty argument, it's us as fans, not to teams. It's us as fans that that's hard. Um, but maybe it's just be loyal to me and Craig Bullerjack because we're not going anywhere, and we love you. How's that? Uh, if the Jazz keep favors, do they make him extend his shooting out to the three-point line so he can be a modern four? Do they trade him? Uh, I think they're going to try to extend him, see how he feels. He'd done a nice job at the last year. He's clearly got to burr up his saddle, and he's working his at- off right now. Uh, and you can see it, or he's, or he's putting up a good picture on Instagram and Facebook. He's putting it out there every day, and it's really working. He's Dennis Lindsay points out that he's healthier. He was never healthy at any point last year uh, in his uh, preparations to the season and he's healthy now so that he should be. And I mean, this guy two years ago was really good. And two years ago, March, I, I don't think I have it on this computer easily. I just switched computers. Any, Oh, if anybody's a computer smart person and can help me, I have a brand new computer. And for some reason, whenever I open up my editing program for audio, it means my videos won't, won't run and audio won't run, which means I can't record podcast interviews right now. If anyone understands that and can explain it to me, uh, email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Crowdsourcing, dlock09 at gmail.com. Um, I think he'll stretch out. 
Um, and I do think, let's be honest, I think there's a chance Favors still gets traded at some point in time here. Um, every day it seems less likely just with him a free agent at the end of the year. But uh, the the mix isn't, we're, you know, the mix is unique uh, at this point with Rudy. How hard is the transition from a two-foot jumper to a one-foot jumper? Uh, it's hard. It doesn't happen. And it's the one. There's two things on Donovan Mitchell that give me pause. One, he's a two-foot jumper. And two, he's short. He's long. But you just start trying to find six foot three shooting guards that have been as good as people think he's going to be, and you're talking about Avery Bradley or Dwayne Wade. Avery Bradley's really, really good, but he's not as good as I think a lot of people want to say Donovan Mitchell is. And when I've brought up Avery Bradley to people who know, they say Donovan's much more skilled. And Dwayne Wade's a Hall of Famer, and I hate Hall of Famer comps. Uh, so I think you have to be a little careful. That's Those are the two things that concern me on Donovan Mitchell is the two-foot jumping and the – the height and I'm not trying to be critical I'm just trying to make sure we don't think he's a hall of famer before it starts uh let's look Rick will do that tomorrow as I said I have not been able to see the construction of Vivint Smart Home Arena maybe Steve Starks or Jim Olson or someone will give me a tour but I have not seen it yet that's a good idea I should ask for that for a podcast coming up uh I will do that when we're done with the show I'll I'll text down to them and see if they want to get someone's give me a tour who do you think the top three players on our current roster are? See, I think this is what's really exciting. I don't know. And this is what I th- I think the four guards are really, really, really exciting to see. Because I think, I don't know, about, on Rubio, Exum, Hood, and Mitchell are all, I'm going to have, I'm going to know a million times more about all of them at the end of this season. Rubio, it's strange for me to say I don't know who he is, but he's 25 years old. He's been on the same team. It's been a jacked-up organization. He's had a million coaches. He, he and his last coach didn't get along. His coach before that sucked. His coach before that, I think, was pretty good, but was in a weird system for a point guard. And so there's, and then he was always labeled as the guy they took instead of Steph, and he was with the and, – and it was just a mess. So I don't think I know who he is yet, and I'm excited to let him just play and see him in person. I just And then Exum has his first basketball offseason, and Hood – if he can get stronger than league average, might be a totally different player. And Donovan Mitchell is exciting. So those four players are just guys. I don't have any idea who they are. And if they can take a jump, then we're a lot better than we think. And so to answer your question who the top three players are, Gobert's number one. Favors healthy, maybe number two. And then I just don't know. I mean, is Donovan Mitchell going to turn out to be better than Rodney Hood? Maybe. I think that's an incredible leap. And a, an insane comment. I kind of paused and took a drink of water to let you think about it, but maybe, and maybe Rubio's the third best player. Or maybe Rubio's lack of shooting really does hurt him. Um, could Favors take two threes a game? Yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, Robert May likes the 30 minutes a game of Mitchell, which I've now since backed off to of 25. Do you ever comb your hair? Um, this is actually about as good as it gets. What do you think about the... J- I actually... Cl- wetted my hair before the show today because I did it so late. Uh, what do you think about the Jazz reaching out to Richard Lewis? He has played well in the big three. Um, I, that's interesting. I know Rashad really well. Um, or Ra, as many people call him. Um, hmm. I, I don't know. I love Rashard. That'd be fun. He made a lot of money. I don't know if he needs to. But. Is D... Donovan Mitchell a Lillard-type player scoring guard or Joe Dumars-type? Two great comparisons. I don't think we know. Is he a unicorn one-two or is he an undersized two? Great question. Don't know. Oh, could we? Can we just like get? Can we get stupid excited about this idea? Like, um, 
Damian Lillard's rookie year, he played 38.6 minutes a game. He's incredible. I don't know how he did that. Wow. They win any games that year? Um, Don't think so. No, they lost like their last 20 in a row to close the season. So no. So that's why he played 38.6 minutes. Wow, that's a lot. Good for Lillard. Uh, will Favors be a starting power forward? I would think so. Do I see any of our assistant coaches uh, eventually earning head coaching gigs sometimes? You know, Alex Jensen looked really, really comfortable running that summer league team in Utah this year. I thought more comfortable I've ever seen him running practices. He's got great background experience as a D-league head coach. He's just growing up. He's got a kid, another one on the way. Um, I just, watching him mature, I think he'll be a good NBA head coach. Um, Antonio Lang's a special dude. Um I would want him on my staff every single day. Zach Guthrie's a great up-and-comer. I'm going to forget people here. There's so many coaches. Mike Wells has been around for a long, long time. He's invaluable uh, as a coach. Um, uh, Jeff Watkinson has got an incredible collection of mix of talent of players. I don't know if he ever becomes a head coach, but his knowledge of strength and conditioning coupled with um, is really, really, really special. Who am I forgetting of our coaches? Johnny Bryant. I mean, that's an up-and-comer. Lamar Skier's a great dude. Johnny Bryant's a huge up-and-comer uh, with his workout, but also his tenacity and his communication with players. Yeah, I mean, I think the staff is great, and I think these guys have um, – I think these. I think there's a lot of guys. We've got – and I, our, new, our new D-League coach is interesting. Um, he's got – is a former Jurban coach. I don't know anything about him, but it's just an interesting um, – kind of the background he has. Who else am I? I'm probably forgetting somebody. Gosh, I'm scared. To, oh, Igor Kokoskov. Well, Igor should be a head coach. I mean, Igor right now is in Europe. He's like, Igor and I go to coffee every single day, and I just forgot him. Um, that's probably why I forgot him. Uh, Igor is, uh, right now he's the Serbian, I think, head coach uh, for the national team. He's been the Georgia head coach. Uh, if Quinn gets ejected, he's probably the one who steps in. He was with Detroit. Um, I actually thought that if Joe Dumars took over New Orleans and Alva Gentry got fired, that Igor would be the new head coach there. Um, you know, there's a language barrier that he's fought through and he's become better. But he's, I mean, he's probably the top rung of all um, of all the coaches there. So I think I got, I think I've hit him. Um, I hope I haven't forgotten anybody. Um, but I mean, this is a really talented staff in very many different ways. Igor is. Got that national coaching team. Alex has got national coaching team experience. Johnny's just incredible. Zach is so bright and such a basketball junkie. And uh, Antonio is just seriously one of the best people I've ever met in my life. I'd want him on every single staff, company, anything I ever had with him. Uh, Lamar is really bright, basketball junkie, rising up through. Uh, it's gonna have to probably he he's gonna have to have a get a unique chance. He's got a tougher road than some others with no NBA background. Um, so he's going to, you know, some of these roads are harder for some guys than others, but, uh, Lamar's uh, played division three, really bright. Um, I actually, Lamar actually fits to me just as a thought. I don't know if this will be what he ends up doing, but if you look at the best coaches in college recently, Shaka Smart, Brad Stevens, they are these division threes, really, really bright basketball guys who love the game who go to these small colleges and then they take that kind of business knowledge and 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 you know, and Lamar's got I think a master's in business management I, I I Lamar is a guy that 
I think actually could run a college program at a really elite level um, with his player development, his video knowledge. It's an interesting angle there. So it's an uncomfortable conversation for me because I feel like I don't want to underserve anyone. I know these guys really well. They're the people who have most common with me. They're very, very good to me. Very good to me. Um, more, I'm probably a pain in their ass. Um, so these are these are really talented people. Um, maybe I'll do some sit-down interviews and let you guys get to know them this year. That'd be fun. Let's do. Uh, maybe I'll do that in September with these guys. Wow, we're at like 40 minutes, guys. So really, it's the off-season. What is the possibility we see a good favors again? Do you see the reason for optimism or are these trade talks a good thing? Um, I don't know. I Hopefully. I think, you know, if he's healthy, he's still a really good player, really talented. I think he's learning on what – I think he's learned over the years what hard work is, and he's getting better at it. Are the Jazz – and and let me clarify that comment. When you're 6'10 in one of the top 0001% athletes in the world, you don't have to work hard. And so I think sometimes it's hard for these guys to understand exactly what it means to work that hard. Does that make sense? Um Oh, I have a call. Oh, but that call is not for a few minutes. Are the Jazz in good shape offensively if Favors gets back to scoring 16 a game? And does that give them a number one primary scoring? Uh, I don't think Favors can be a number one scoring guy in this offense. I think you have to be egalitarian. If you're going to be doing that, I think that would help them, Justin. But I think that the key to them is how many threes they can get off. I really do. Uh, I don't know. I haven't talked to Quinn about what he's going to do with his offense. I think there'll be a lot of cutters because I think there's a lot of belief that Ricky can find the cutters for backdoor cuts and create things. I think Cephalos will play about 24 minutes a night, be a really solid pro, plays the game right every night. I think he will hit a decent amount of 35% of his threes as an average three-point shooter defend, and he and Joe Ingles will just be totally solid at that small forward and nothing elegant. Um... Can you introduce me to Joe Ingles? Thank you, Matt. I was worried you weren't here. The Cavaliers trade Kyrie would love then become unavailable. I would think so. Um, I don't know what the Cavaliers are doing, and I don't know what they do. Kobe Altman's really smart, though. I know Kobe a little bit. He's really, really, he's really bright and really smart. Um, I have some pretty, put some simple data together and good defensive teams that play with pace. You probably have the Jerry Sloan, Darren Williams teams in there. They were one of the few teams that was good defensively and high pace of play team. Uh, but send it to me, Braxton. I'd love it. DLock09 at gmail.com. Does Joe Johnson become our baseball light closer? I think that's a fair assessment. We've got to watch his minutes. Um, I don't know how far Derek Favors is from 100%. Maybe I'll, a lot of Derek questions. Maybe I should text Derek and say hi to him. Uh, like you, I'm not sold on Kevin Love, but does the simple fact that he has two years left and the fact that Favors has so many questions, health, free agency, fit? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I, I, but I'm, I, and I like Kevin. Love. I like Derek, and I like Kevin Love both. So, um, um, so I think. Um, I just can't totally figure out Kevin Love. And actually, I can't figure out, what I really can't figure out is why we're totally shutting the door on Favors and Gobert and just being an insane defensive team. And sure, we scuffled a score, but just being an insane defensive team. Final question, why has everyone flipped 180 degrees? We were last year coming to the Warriors. Now we are the Moneyball team. No, not every, no, I'm the only one. Not everyone. I'm the only one. I just wrote a counterintuitive piece about... 
slow pace, Brandon. Nobody else is with me. Zach and Zach and Kevin Pelton and those guys think I'm insane. I'm sure of it. They'd be nice enough not to say it, but you didn't see him retweeting it. Um, so I, but I, what I think is interesting, what jumped out to me last year, is all the teams that tried to emulate the Warriors looked ridiculous trying to do it. And so the Warriors are just so good that I think it's too hard for them to to emulate. And so I'm looking at a d- different style of play. And I, I actually think that that might be the money ball answer. But I'm the only one who thinks that. Just so you, I mean, I'm I'm just being a counterintuitive thinker. I don't like groupthink. And I thought I could prove it. All right. Thank you guys very much. That was fun. Long edition today. Uh, keep an eye. Please like the Locked On Podcast Network page. Uh, share these videos. And we should be having really fun Locked On Podcast Network host live streams coming to you all um, Thursdays on Lockdown Podcast Network. Hopefully it's going to be really cool with just a bunch of live shows, one after another after another. Have a great one. Talk to you soon. And today's show was brought to you by Shamrock Auto Group and SeatGeek. Make sure you go to shamrockautogroup.com and uh, uh, support Rob and the group there and get that experience. And then as well, uh, make sure that you uh, SeatGeek, promo code L-O-N-B-A. Have a great one.